Hello and welcome back to The Huddle, brought to you by Wilson, au.wilson.com, the official ball of the NBL. And uh, things are getting tight in the race for the finals. We're about three and a half weeks away from the end of the regular season. And after a big night of hoops last night, Perth and Melbourne showing down in the jungle, um, things are getting very, very interesting, both at the top and in the middle section of the ladder. And to break down the race to make the playoffs, I've got ESPN's Olgan Ulrich with me today. Um, and we're going to look, we're going to talk a little bit about Melbourne and Perth, but also a long conversation about Southeast Melbourne, Illawarra, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, who makes the finals. And um, I thought Olgan was the right guy to come on. He's been watching the season from go to woe, pulling it apart. And uh, great to have him come on for the ESPN NBL Media collaboration. So sit back, relax. Up next, Olgan Okay, I got Olgan Ulich with me. Olgan, uh, what's happening, man? Not too much. We're we're coming off the big game, huh? The big, the RSA Arena. Melbourne got one back. It's we're coming to the end of the season, Liam. It's it's getting there. It's it's close. When it's nearly finals time, and thank God. It's uh, it's been a long ride to get here. You know, not just the length of the season, but the length of the off season leading in. You know, and building up and all the signings and who's going to be on what team. Guys opting out. Guys opting in. When that went for so long that now when you add the season in, um, there has been an element of grind about the last kind of month or so, but I, I feel you. I feel that same excitement about, and, and last night I felt like it, it took it to another level. You know, the Sydney-Brisbane game, Melbourne and Perth, what we all think is something of a grand final preview, and it just started to get the juices flowing about what the playoffs are going to be like. Yeah, so the, my, my thing with the NBL is always, that there's always something happening. Right, whether it's in the off-season signings, you know, NBA versus NBL, it, there's always it doesn't stop. Right, it, it hasn't stopped for like five years, mm. um, and so we went through all of that. And I feel like last night was a kind of a, a reminder that the it's, it was like a tell that the finals are around the corner. Mm. That like this is you know Perth looks like it has its full team, Melbourne has its full team together, and you know this is the type of game. And I also think that was the case with the, the Sydney Adelaide game. If you days ago mm-hmm. where it was like a playoff intensity and so i feel like we're getting these we, we went through a bit of a lull where it's just like it would be great if the finals came around now i feel like we're getting examples of almost like the play-in tournament with the nba mm-hmm. where, where teams are still competing and i feel like that's what we're getting little glimpses of with the nba it's cool. right around the corner don't, don't say that. If my man Cam Luke will get all wound up if you start talking about the playing tournament, he's desperate, he's desperate for the wild card game, the Cam Luke wild card game, which with this, I mean, we're going to have a super close race for that, for that third and fourth spot. There's going to be a team who finishes fifth yet again this year who's going to be extremely unlucky. This is not the year for it. This is not it the is, year for it. It just is that. It, 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 that's how it always is. I just think with the COVID and the, the, the rolling schedule and all, all the difficulties of that, this is not the year to bring it in. But is that something you think we could bring into the league? We see it happen in the, with the play-in tournament in the NBA this year. The Cam Luke wildcard game, single elimination, fourth versus fifth to, to make the playoffs. I don't, I don't think we need it. It's, it's just extra drama onto what's already going to be a dramatic ending to this season, right? You've got 
I think we got three or four matchups between Brisbane and Southeast Melbourne. That's that's fine. Both of those <laughs> teams are vying for that that three or four spot. Mm-hmm. I think they're cool. And I think the idea of that, like there's a lottery in the NBA. And so there's a, at the very least, if, if you feel like you're out of the playoffs, like out of the eight, mm-hmm. then there's reason to try and be really terrible and try and get as high as you can in the lottery. Whereas that doesn't exist in the NBA. Um, you know, teams are just going to continue. And that's what we're seeing in the NBA. If you're in 10 spot, you're going to continue trying because you could get in that, that play-in tournament and you could somehow get into the playoffs. I don't think, I love Cam Luke. We just don't. It's just, it's already, it's already going to be really, really dramatic. We just don't need it. Yeah, no, I feel you. I, I like the way it's come down to the last, the last game, the last day of the regular season, the last few years. And I did say we're going to see it again. And I think today we're going to break down that run home. I think we know who's going to finish first and second. We don't need to spend much time talking about Perth and Melbourne. We'll talk about them because there's a bit to take away from last night. Um, and we don't need to talk about New Zealand or Cairns either. God bless them and all much love to all of their fans. But you're not going to get much airtime on this one today because you're not making the playoffs. The yep. breakers can continue to dream the dream if they want but they're going to need to run the table from here. And um, as amazing as they have been in terms of their resilience and, and their sacrifice over the course of the year, um, that's not going to happen. But the run home between Southeast Melbourne, Illawarra, Sydney, Brisbane, and Adelaide is fascinating. Before we talk to, to those guys, you were mentioning what we saw last night in the jungle in Western Australia. Um, Melbourne punched back. There was an expectation that maybe Perth were going to getting the wood over them. They'd won two in a row. They'd beaten Melbourne on their home floor. They'd signed Will Magnate. Everything was pointing in the direction of the Wildcats. And then Chris Golding went out and went whackety whack whack. And they never looked back. What were your main takeaways from that game last night? So that's what that's what Chris Golding does. And it's why he's still the biggest sort of like F you guy in the league, right? It's just that's just what he does. Um we didn't see Magnate at full health, right? So this wasn't, I don't think this was a pure representation of what the Perth Wildcats could be. Um, I think this was, I think you mentioned it last night where Melbourne needed this one for their psyche mm. because, to, you know, to be run, you know, across the board by Perth going into a potential grand final series against Perth, that's difficult. Mm. Um, so this was important for them to get. I think it, this was a good example of why, a lot of us still have Melbourne as probably, you know, just over as the number one team because of their depth. Um, you know, as much as you can see, you know, Jock Landau and John Mooney doing their thing against each other, Bryce Cotton, Chris Golding, Mitch McCarron, you know, Todd Blanchfield, you, it's, it's the rest of the guys. And so with, with Melbourne, we saw that. We saw Joe Lewal step up a, a little bit. We saw Dave Barlow hit some big shots. We didn't see as much of that with Perth. And I think that was, it, that was the difference. Um, and in a five-game series, I think we're going to see games like that. And then we're going to see games where maybe Chris Golding goes, you know, four of 15, right? And then we're going to see those games where Bryce Cotton drops 35. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go too deep into, you know, previewing a grand final series. But this was one of those things that come a, come a playoffs, having depth is really important. And mm. I think we saw that last night. Mm. And I think the key thing for me about Melbourne's depth is their depth of options to play on Bryce Cotton. That's the biggest part for me about their depth. And, you know, I think in the last few grand final series, it's been Casper Ware, right? He is the man who has had that, that job predominantly on Bryce Cotton. 
and it's worn him out. It's a really tough thing to do over the course of a series to keep him under wraps and he hasn't been able to do it. Um, but Melbourne have just, they can just go throw waves of elite perimeter defenders. And they've got guys like Jock Landau and Mason Peatling who are active as, as you know, help guys in those. And Dave Barlow, of course, Joe Lawala-Chul has some work to do in that regard. And, and you can see Dean Vickerman's frustrations with him at times, but Sam McDaniel and Shea Illy and Uday Bubba and then Mitch McCarron, of course, when you need to go there. And for me, Uday Bubba in particular, that's the second time. Yeah. Last night was the second time this season Melbourne have beaten Perth and a big part of it was a stretch of time in the second half where Cotton usually takes over, where Bubba was able to make life difficult for him. And that's what gives me confidence in Melbourne United that they're going to be able to have that the edge in that matchup over the course of a five-game series. And you mentioned Casper Ware. And I remember that grand final series. It was where we had started to have questions about Casper Ware offensively. Right. And you can put a lot of it down to just him being in a bad rhythm, but also he was doing a lot of work on the other mm. end guarding Bryce Cotton. With these guys, you're mentioning names like Uday Barber, Sam McDaniel, Shea Ely. You know, Mitch McCarron only has to guard Bryce Cotton in tiny stretches, right? That mm. doesn't hinder what he does on the other end. You're mm. putting, you know, role players on, but role players who can come out, kind of give their all defensively, and their role on the other end is so limited that it, it doesn't affect anything that, the, that United does. Um, you know, Sam McDaniel only has to hit, you know, one or two, you know, catch and shoot threes in a corner, which he'll get open for because Jock Landell's getting that double team. You know, Udai Baba is a ball of energy, right? I have, I have no concerns about him. But it's the same with Shea Illy, where, you know, he might have to come off a few on balls or maybe hit a spot up jumper. But, you know, you're not relying on him for your entire offense like Sydney was with Casper. And so I think that's the difference, too. You can throw these guys at, at Bryce without sacrificing anything on the other end. Mm, mm. You know, Bubba for me, like we don't have it in our league, but he's first team all defense. He's first team all point, defense yeah. for me. And you, there's obviously some guys like Sunday Detch and Mitch Norton and Tom Abercrombie, Isaac Humphreys over the course of the season, even though he's missed a bunch of games. But even in a limited amount of playing time, you know, Bubba's first team all defense for me. And he is just one of those four guys that they'll be able to play on Cotton over the course of the series. Now, you know, he's... He's at another level, Bryce Cotton, who everybody else. So, yeah. do, do I do I um, not believe he has the capacity to rise above even that and have a grand final MVP level series and and beat that team? No, I still can can picture that happening. But that's the team I think that has the absolute best chance to make life as difficult as possible for Bryce Cotton. And as we know, that's the key to winning the championship in the NBL right now. Well, cause it's no one's a, a cotton stopper, right? That's, that's not a thing, but if you can slow him down, if you can make life really difficult for him, then I think that's the recipe for success. Um, and I, no team does that better than Melbourne. You know, it, there's, cause we know that if you're, if you're throwing double teams at cotton, you know, he had, he's had 10 assists the last two games before this United game. Right. We know that, his elite at finding his cutters and finding his guys. And so being able to just guard him straight up one-on-one -on -one, and he's going to hit his absurd shots because he's Bryce Cotton. But if you can just slow that down a little bit, I feel like that's the key. Um, and again, it's not, we're not harping on, it's just, it's not, a, Melbourne isn't going to run away with it. I don't think. No, right. we're, no, no one's saying that, mm. but, but they, they are built to beat this Perth team, I think. Mm. 
Mm. And the, the amazing thing about this conversation is we're talking about this after Bryce had 24 points last <laughs> night, you know, about 45% from the field, three assists. Um, but what he didn't have is 35 and the win or 20 and 10 assists and the win. They were able to kind of make life difficult for him, not give wide open shots to a whole bunch of other guys. And as a result, I think they got the victory. And you, obviously there was some other elements. you got to make shots and Chris Golding led the way in getting that done. You also talked about Will Magne and said, we, we haven't seen, we didn't see last night that, you know, the um, full health and fitness athletic Will Magne. My question is, are we certain we're going to see it? I mean, I'm not entirely sure because we haven't seen it for a while, right? The last time, you know, we all saw Will Magnet play was those stints in the G League. And, you know, as as competitive as the G League can be, I don't know how much stock I'm putting in G League basketball, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, Luke Travers went out there and made a bigger impact than Will Magnet did, right? It, but well, Luke Travers knows the system. He knows what, what Perth's running. Um, I like giving Travers freedom, by the way. That was cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think you, you touched on it last night too. There's going to be there questions will be asked about that front court combo. You know, we, the other, you know, huge front court combo that works is Isaac Humphries and Daniel Johnson. But that's because Daniel Johnson can stretch it out to 30 feet, right? We've seen Isaac Humphries stretch it out too. So you're, you're playing proper inside out basketball there. You know, both Mooney and Magne, as much as Mooney has been a weirdly efficient three-point shooter this season um and magna has the has the ability to to stretch out in in stretches i i don't think they're the same as that they're, they're both they both want to get inside the paint and and so i i i'm interested to see how that's going to develop down the stretch i'm confident that they're both smart enough players that they'll work it out and we saw some good kind of like inside out passing or, you know like big to big passing but i think that's that's something that we're going to have to talk about like mm. is is a luke travers or is a player like that maybe a better fit to be there do you dare i say bring a magnet off the bench and and do you do you consider you know having them both as five men right and kind of going like for like and maybe down the stretch you can see if you can play them together i don't know i don't want to overreact after one game but you know it's i don't think it's a it's a sure thing that this is gonna work yeah, I just th- I just feel like I mean they're winding him up, right? And they're building him up. So well, he played what, twelve what we, minutes, right? Yeah, what we saw last night is what not the Mill Magnate we're going to see. But I don't feel like his ceiling in this short period of time is going to be with the Wildcats in the run home of this regular season and the playoffs. I don't think his ceiling that he'll be able to reach is what he was last year in the NBL to be honest. And as much as we want to talk about the growth of a guy and whatnot, I just, I just think about the long period of time when he hasn't played, doesn't have the bar, the basketball in his legs that, that other guys have. I don't think he's going to be that incredibly athletic, a well above the rim possession after possession, complete enforcer uh, at the defensive end lob catcher um, that we saw last year i think he's going to be better than what he was last night but i have hesitation about whether he's going to get up to that level um what we do know is that they're going to finish first and second and what i think is becoming more apparent as we get closer now with melbourne winning last night is that melbourne's going to finish first most likely they play again i think one more time and then they've got a bunch of games against some other teams perth have a really hectic schedule coming up and what 
that Trevor Gleeson was asked in the post-game press the last night by Craig Donahue of the West Australian about, well, well does, does losing this game, does, does kind of settling a little bit more into this second spot change how you feel about how you're going to approach some of these games? And it was interesting what Trevor Gleeson said. He said, well, you know, we've got a hectic schedule and if we're going to have to sit a guy out of a game or out of a practice, then we're going to have a look at that and, and see if that's something. And I look ahead to their game against Cairns coming up, the Wildcats. They play Brisbane yeah. on Saturday and then they play Cairns on Monday. And I wonder whether that's going to be the game, whether either Bryce or Mooney sit out or play limited minutes. In fact, what I'm, if they're going to do it, I hope it is that game because it's not a game that's going to have any impact on the race for third or fourth. So if you're Trevor Gleeson, let those teams fight it out organically and rest those guys against the Thai fans. You know, I mentioned this on, on, a, on a different show. Bryce Cotton has, there's a lot has been asked of Bryce Cotton this season, more than perhaps any season. Um, and so it would make a ton of sense for him to, uh, you know, at the very least have his minutes kind of cut back a little bit. Um, and I think the Magne signing gives them some kind of latitude, gives them, gives them flexibility to do that. Um, and so I, I completely agree with you because, so I, I mentioned this before, um, I thought Bryce Cotton was going to get gassed in the middle of the NBL Cup. That was when I thought it was going to happen. Um, he, that, that, you know, the team relies on him and Mooney to do their thing. Um, and that was a lot of games in a, in a short amount of time. It happened slightly after that, mm. but I think we're seeing glimpses of it. Um, even during the game, you know, you, you can tell, you know, he, he gets to his spot. If he doesn't make a shot, you can, you can sort of see that he's working really hard to, mm. to do everything. Mm. Um, whether they can, uh, there are enough games left that they could potentially get home court, right? And I think that that's obviously the big question because home court in Perth is different than home court everywhere else. And so if you have the potential to, to go and steal that, then cool. And, and, you know, Melbourne isn't invincible, right? They're not the Melbourne with, with Jack White and, and, and that's not what they are. And so I don't, I don't know. I, you may, you may have more of an inkling of what Trevor Gleason's thinking is than I do, mm. but you know, how much do you, va do you value home court over the potential health and kind of durability of your guys? You, you got to balance it out, you know, and he's done that before. I mean, I think back to the championship they won with Nate Jowai years and years ago and, and he didn't make a trip late in the season when when things weren't going to change at the top of the standings there and they made sure that he was he was having I think some back troubles at the time and they just kind of managed his situation and, and made sure he was cherry ripe for the finals and I think they would be looking at it because Melbourne I, I just the only team they've lost to for what two months is that one game against the Wildcats um, they've won, I think, what, 13 of their last 14 games. It's not like they're going to have a whole series of, of slip-ups down the stretch yeah. here um, and drop out of first place for me. And so if I'm, I think the other thing, if you're Trevor Gleeson, you look, I've got Will Magne, I've got to build up and I've got to sort out this situation with Clint Steindl. Yeah. And, I, and a game, like, like I look at that game against Cairns, like you're going to beat the Taipans anyway. This current yeah. Taipan squad... Maybe that's where you give up. You run a whole, but you run all that stuff that you you usually run for Bryce. A lot of it you run for Clint Steinle. You play Bryce ten to fifteen minutes. You restrict get Mooney fifteen to twenty, and you play build up Will Magna and You run a whole bunch of stuff for Clint Steinle. I had an NBL player text me last night saying, "What's happened to Clint Steinle?" <laughs> and 
I I wasn't sure. Going into the season, I think a lot of us would have had the the offense for the Wildcats, you know, going through Bryce Cardin, obviously. But then coming off the bench, then it was going to be Clint Steinle, right? As in sets run, run for Clint Steinle. Of and then, that's what they've done. And then, exactly. And then whatever comes off that, comes off that. He just hasn't. And I, and I hate, and I said this with Dengadel too, and, and it might be a cop-out, but maybe is he just not up to it anymore? Is And, and that's, again, that's a cop-out, right? Because we know that he's, he's an elite shooter in the NBL. Um, but figuring that out going into a finals, I think will be key because, you know, you can, when, when United goes on those stretches where, you know, Golding's hitting a bunch of shots and then they're going into, you've you got Mitch McCarron throwing those crazy passes to, to whoever's at the rim and, and they finish that, they go on those, you know, eight nothing runs. It's nice to have the luxury of a Clint Steindl mm. who can go and get your bucket. See, for me, he's more than a luxury. He's really, really important because between him and Blanchfield, that guy needs to be in double figures. That guy needs to be about 15 or 16 points. And we've seen Steindl's had two games in double figures for the entire year. He was a 45% three-point shooter last year on five attempts a game. He's like 21% this year. It's been an unbelievable meteoric drop. But those couple of games where he's hit shots over the course of the year are games when Todd Blanchfield was a little cold early on. And he wasn't, and while they're doubling uh, Cotton and they're making life tough for Mooney, the ball's landing in that shooter's hands. That guy needs to knock it down. Now, over the course of the year, it's most games, that's been Todd Blanchfield. He's been unbelievably consistent in providing, I called him the third banana last year, uh, last night. Pete Hawley had no idea what I was talking about. I'm not going to I'm not gonna <laughs> say that's not a thing. It's a thing if you want it to be. That's, a, that's the thing. Um, they need that third banana. And sometimes Todd Blanchfield, the shooters sometimes have a night where it's just not going down. And if it's not going to be him, it has to be Clint Steinl. So if I'm Trevor Gleason, I, I think he's got to make a focus of, of building his confidence here down the stretch of the season so he's ready for the playoffs. You know, it's why I called him a luxury. It's because Todd Blanchfield is having his career year, right? So he wasn't required necessarily. Mm. Um, you know, you know, based based on their record, you can see he wasn't required to do what mm. we feel he should be. He should have to do come a final series, right? Um, but again, if you want to go deep in the, in the playoffs, you need him clicking, mm. right? In the preseason, he was the man. He was, I, I want to say he would have had two two or three, you know, 15 plus games. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him not to be, throughout the rest of this stretch, the, the Wildcats have flexibility. For him not to be shooting five or six three-pointers a game, he needs to get them up. For him not to, to have sets run for him and for him mm-hmm. to get those shots up, I think that would be, you know, a disservice to his abilities. But I think that would really hinder the Wildcats as they go into, you know, an important playoffs. All right, let's zero in on, on the race for third and fourth spot because there's two races going on right now, isn't there? There's the, the, the one for the regular season title and there's, there's the between those two teams and then this unbelievably tight battle for those other two playoff spots. Can I mention um, one thing before we continue? Yeah, The mm. last thing on that, the Wildcats-United stuff. Mm. The, the other race, there's a third race, I think. It's for the best big in the league. Mm. Um, and I think... And, I, I may be wrong, but Cam Oliver doing his thing, that, that sets a little spark in these guys, right? Because Cam Oliver, you know, went through his stretches. He went through awesome stretches. He went through, you know, patches too. You know, they're seeing Cam Oliver kill it in the NBA right now, right? He's, he's doing really well with the Rockets. You know, does a Jock Landau or a John Mooney say, hey, 
I'm better than him. And so I think we saw some of those emotions last night. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to continue seeing that. And I think that's going to be the extra little wrinkle in a potential grand final series, a probable grand final series. Those two going at each other, seeing, oh, dang, Cam Oliver's gone and done that. I'm next up. So no yeah. doubt, no doubt that's in the mind of both of those guys. And, and both of those things are on their mind. What Cam Oliver's doing over there right now, that, that that's what they want to be doing themselves. And they're watching. And, and secondly, the battle between the two of them. No doubt about it. And for me, the the pressure in that regards on Jock Lander because John Mooney has been the better performed big over the course of the season. And to, to say he's been better performed than Jock is, an, is a huge compliment because Jock's totally. been terrific. I love the way he's approached the game. I've spoken about it a whole heap of times. He's just not been focused on, on his numbers or on making a, a big name for himself or standing out. He's been focused on doing what is required to win ball games. Um, and we know he's an NBA level talent, but totally doubt, but there is no doubt he has been listening to all this talk about John Mooney. He's been hearing it, he's been seeing it, he's been watching the consistency at with at um with which Mooney's been playing and saying, you know what? At the end of the season, they're gonna say, Yeah, he was amazing throughout the regular season, but Landau was better in the playoffs. There's no doubt he's thinking that right now. Absolutely. And it's the idea of Landau was very explicitly a rental for, for Melbourne United, right? Whereas Mooney is, you know, was an import who we weren't entirely sure how to gauge him going into the season. And so there was an expectation that yeah, Landau's going to have an elite season here, which he is having, and then he's off to the NBA. The fact that, you know, there are talks about a, a big man in this league who's, you know, two or three years younger than him, who is potentially playing better than him, you know, that can light a fire under some dudes. And I For think sure. it will. And I think we're I think we're yet to see the best of Jock Lando because of that. For sure. Um Sydney and Brisbane. And four. Sydney and Brisbane last night. Huge game. We've got a whole bunch of games right now that are between these these teams all playing each other. But that one for me was massive because I feel like uh I mean, I believe in I have confidence that either one of those teams is going to be able to get in there. You know, I mean, I I don't have the confidence that Adelaide's going to be able to get it done from here, but these two, like that was a playoff game come early last night and Brisbane wiped the Kings off the floor. No Sean Bruce. Sounds strange to be talking about that as a game changer, but he's so, so important for the Kings. Did Did you take anything away from that game last night that made you tilt in a different direction to how you felt prior to tip-off. So again, the reason it was important was because I think if Brisbane lost that, not that they'd be out, but the road became would have become a lot tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same with Sydney. The fact that they lost that, their road becomes a lot tighter too. Because if you look at the rest of the, you know, their run home, it's really difficult. Um, the the thing that gives me a little bit so the Drimic thing, Drimic dropped twenty eight points. He looked amazing out there I, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that on a consistent basis because he hasn't right so until he can demonstrate that he can do that consistently then i, I won't believe that he can um the the bj johnson stuff is is interesting i think his ability to go and get get a bucket um is helpful i the thing that that makes me not overreact to, to that sort of win is brisbane did a good job you know guarding the Sydney Kings. I think Jerome Martin missed a lot of bunnies. I think Sydney Kings missed a lot of bunnies, missed a lot of threes that you know they otherwise would hit. Brisbane has not been a good defensive team, and, and I don't think last night 
against still an undermanned um, Kings team. And, and again, when you mentioned Sean Bruce, but Sean Bruce is a guy who can, like a Kyle Adnam, who can come off on balls, who can penetrate, put a lot of pressure on your defense, right? And so to, to day up really well against that, this iteration of the Kings team, you know, I'm not ready to be a believer yet that, you know, they're past the defensive woes. You know, they are the worst, statistically the worst defensive team in the league. I don't know if they can get to the playoffs uh, until we see more of that, you know? Uh, they, I'm fascinated to see whether they can defend at the kind of level that they did last night and what they did against, obviously it was just the Taipans who were last on the ladder, but they were good defensively in that previous game. Um, if they can continue to defend at the, because what they've done in the last couple of that games has been way, way better than what they've done over the course of the whole season. As you say, ninth, last in the league in defensive efficiency over the course of the year, but they're turning it up right at the right moment. And they know that they've got a high octane offense. And you, you, as I said on the call last night, every time they talk to the media, you hear the same thing coming out. You heard it from Drimmick at halftime when he spoke to John Guana. He said, look, we all know it. If we can defend and get stops, we're really, really tough to, to guard in, in the open court. Um, Sobe gets off and running and you get Lamar Patterson getting downhill and you've got shooters like Kadi and, and Drimmick on the wings. Um, if they can do that, they can they can well and truly make a run. And they have a not not a bad run home. A, a bunch of home games. Tell me, tell me their next four up. games. Tough home teams, games, but tell me them. Tough opponents, tough opponents. So Perth yeah. twice in a row, Southeast Melbourne, Melbourne United, and then things get a little easier in terms of their opponents down the stretch, but um, on the road. So yeah. at Cairns, at New Zealand, at the Phoenix, and then they finish up at Sydney. What, why, what, what's your feelings about their run home? I mean, I, I know that home court advantage matters a lot in the NBL as, as far as just playing at home. Um, but Perth, Perth, Phoenix, United, that scares me. Like there, there is potential, and I think they know this, there is potential that, you know, Perth and United, the top two teams in the league, and a team that is, you know, a top three talent team who hasn't been playing well, but is fighting is fighting for a playoff spot too. So we may know Brisbane's fate by the end of that United game. Um, and that's what scares me. And then going on the road, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to just, you know, say Cairns is just terrible, but they're not great, right? So going on the road against Cairns, I don't have, I think Brisbane picks that up. And then, you know, at New Zealand is tough. At Southeast Melbourne, right, is, again, another team playing for their lives. That's tough too. And so it's it's not an easy run for anybody, but look, that those first four games are key. If they can they can, you know, continue this sort of rhythm that that they seem to have gotten at home as well. And Brisbane gets good crowds. They've gotten good crowds for the entire season, I think. They're one of the, the, the teams that has done it consistently. If they can get through, if they can split the Perth series, get one over Phoenix, and then the United game, I I can win or lose right if, if they can split if they can get two of their first three then i'll have a bit more faith in them going forward i feel you they, they need it they need to split that that perth back to back yeah uh, if they go if they go on and two there they'll be 13 and 16 and it, they'll be they'll have what's the equivalent of scoreboard pressure ladder pressure like they'll, <laughs> like they'll be starting to feel the pinch at that point they need to split that 
can't wait for them just quietly. Will Magne coming back and playing in Brisbane after everything that's that's taken place. That's going to be yeah. really fun. And then they need to get that game over South East Melbourne because then that takes the pressure off against Melbourne. And if they split those four, they'll they'll be what will they be fifteen and sixteen, and they'll be looking at a stretch of games of Cairns, New Zealand, the Phoenixes, Sydney home, and they'll go, you know what, we can do this. Yeah. What do you think is the the magic number as far as wins to get into that four? I think nineteen will get you in. Eighteen and good percentage. So if so, 19 gets you in, Brisbane needs six of their last nine games. Oh, t- yeah, nine six games. Six of their last eight. Yeah. Six There's of their eight last games eight. There. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's it's doable, and, but and it's, they've got poor yeah. percentage. They've got percentage issues, and they're not going. I don't think yeah. they're not going to be able to catch up to either Sydney or Southeast Melbourne for mine on percentage. So that's definitely something to, to keep in mind, which is why last night I was harping on, I was trying to stay up and about those last three minutes because they were big. They need yeah. every bucket they can get right now to try to build that up. Um, if only on the off chance that they end up tying for, for a team like Illawarra, who they may have a slight chance of catching on percentage. See, in my, so it's, we're getting very in the weeds on the run home, but that's what this is. Um, I'm looking at their run compared to, to the Illawarras, right? And it's a very home-heavy run, and, um, or at least for Brisbane to start it is. But I think Illawarras run home is a little bit easier. Um, and I think that'll matter. It, it, it sucks that the home games in this run home for Brisbane, three of them are against Perth and Melbourne. And so that, that's difficult. And so that's where, when we spoke earlier about Trevor Gleeson potentially resting a guy, resting a Cotton or resting a Mooney or maybe cutting back minutes, you know, I wonder would he do it in this sort of game? You know, I don't know what sort of yeah. love he might have for Brisbane, but you know, I wonder if that could play a role in this this little race we've got. Yeah, I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. But I, I think you, you're right about the Hawks. Like this, they, they play New Zealand in a couple of days' time, and oh, that what is that tomorrow? And the Breakers are taking like the next flight out. Yeah. To, to, to head across the ditch. And I, there's a lot of those guys, I think, whose minds are going to be on that flight and heading home. I'll be shocked if the breakers, it means so much to Illawarra to win that game. I'll be shocked if they can win it. Yeah. And then they have another game, a home game, a little while later against Cairns. They also play Adelaide late. And if I think, and they're the only, they're really the only one of these kind of Southeast Melbourne, Sydney themselves or Brisbane who have Adelaide in their last kind of three or four games. And to be honest, by then, I don't think Josh Giddy's going to be playing. So that's a I, good yeah. game that sits on their schedule. So looking at if, so that they have a game in Adelaide, uh, I want to say it's sometime next week. Um, but it's, if I've written this down correctly, mm-hmm. they've got at, at New Zealand and then versus Adelaide. Oh no, well, I'm talking, I'm the wrong one. Versus Melbourne at Adelaide, right? Yes, yep. That game in Adelaide, I think that's, if, if Giddy hasn't shut it down by then, that might be his last game. Mm, mm. Um, but then they've got a game against Adelaide at mm, home mm. down the track too. Mm. And again, we I think we've all mentioned as Adelaide as this sort of bogey team, this team that has just kept it a bit too late, but is like, is like has top four talent, right? Mm. And, and can perform like a top four team. Playing that team without Giddy potentially, at the end of the season at home, we saw, we saw what they did with him the other night, mm. right? Mm. And so that's 
again, I want to say that's an easy win because I think Brandon Paul is super talented. Tony Crocker can show up. DJ's DJ and Isaac Humphries is Isaac Humphries. But, you know, that they're in a they're in a good situation, especially, you know, like you said, Cairns at home and at potentially giddyless, a potentially giddyless Adelaide at home, right? They're, they're winner, very winnable games there. Well, do we believe in them at the defensive end, though, the Hawks? Because that's where it, that's where it all is. I mean, it's them collectively defensively, second in defensive rating over the course of the year. And Tyler Harvey at the offensive end, he's carrying an, a massive load for them. If they're not sparking offensive transition opportunities from their defense, they're they've been they're bad. They've been bad, and they've been what yeah. are they ninth last in in offense over the course of the year? And over the last couple of games, it's been Tyler Harvey carrying carrying that load. And they're, they're playing off Harvey like the Wildcats play off Bryce Cotton, and they're the two big question marks for me. Can he continue to produce at that level? Because if that, if he doesn't on any given game, they're not going to win. And can yeah. they collectively defend like they have in these last couple of games against New Zealand in Tassie and in the win over Adelaide the other night? Do you, do you believe in both of those things maintaining at a high level throughout this run home? I can, I believe in the defense. Cause I think we've largely seen that over the course of the season. Um, when Illawarra gets into their half-court offense, it's it's a struggle, mm. right? And so over their last 10 games, uh, off the top of my head, let's say they've won four or five of them. They've just been Tyler Harvey going crazy, mm. right? Justinian Jessup has to step up. He He's really dropped off since his really impressive start to the season. He's shown glimpses, but in order for the, the Hawks to compete for, you know, that top four and, and to do anything in the, in the postseason, he's got to step up a little bit. Um, I so I, I trust the defense and, and I trust that Tyler Harvey can make big shots. Whether he can just continue to do that game in like night in and night out, night out, that's a question, mm. right? If, if your whole offense is relying on this dude making tough shots, I, I, I don't know how much trust to put in you going forward. Mm. Um, I, I think they have the, the run home and I think they have you know the, the defensive fortitude to, to get into that top four. Um, and again, they, they seem like one of those bogey teams who can, you know, almost almost made for the, the postseason as far as their defense and gorge and, and all that sort of stuff. But unless they figure out that half-court offense out, and I don't know what the fix is. You're the basketball guy. I well, don't, the, the fix the, is sitting on the bench with a bad leg. Cam Besto's the fix. Cam Besto's the yeah. difference for them. In the, then their half-court offense was never going to be great. Yeah. But it was okay with Cam Besto. And when they, were, they had those games... It was all going pear shaped for a period of time, and then they had those games in the in the hub where they beat Perth and Melbourne, and yeah. Cam Best, and it was look everything was starting to point upwards. Cam Best, was was starting to be that guy, and and you'll hear Gorge talk about it. We're missing that guy that we can we play off Bryce uh, Tyler Harvey like Bryce Cotton on the perimeter, but Cam Best was that guy we could roll it into in the block, and Sam Froling is is. His development has been terrific this year, but he's still so young in his yeah. in his pro career. He can't. He's not going to be that guy for you on a game in game out basis. Cam Besto is twelve and six in this league. Bank it. He'll give it to you night after night when he's feeling good. And for me, that's going to be, I think, along with Dingadell's failure to be the dude that they needed him to be. Cam Besto injury for me is going to be the story of Illawarra's season and why they're going to finish just, they're just going to fall a little bit short. Do you think they make the four? 
No. Ah. And I, I totally get what you're saying too. The, the, the best game I saw Illawarra play was in the hub and it was against Adelaide. And that was the big thing Adele game. And it was as simple as, you know, right now you have teams just loading up on Tyler Harvey and loading up on Justinian Jessup. And there's no third wing. There's no third perimeter banana. threat. Right. There's no third banana. Right. <laughs> this is correct. Um, and so they don't have a third banana who can initiate, who can, you know, attack from the perimeter. Cause I don't think Justin Simon's that guy. Um, in that, in the game I saw, I was, I was sitting, you know, in one of the boxes and, you know, you have Deng Adele. He was just in the, as, as deep in the corner as you can imagine. And he was hitting that corner three. The fact that they don't have another guy to widen the floor for them. And that's been the issue all, issue all season. That's, mm-hmm. that's an issue because mm-hmm. you're trying to, you're trying to get it into Sam Froling and it's, you're basically playing two elite shooters with three non-shooters. And I don't know if that, that works in 2021. Mm. Um, that's not, I don't think that's how basketball is anymore. And so to not have that guy, that, that gives me some pause as far as this, this last run and, and them going into the finals too, as yeah. much as we trust their defense, because it has been elite consistently. For me, Cabeso was, uh, he's not at the level of these guys, but for them, he was their Jock Lander. He was their John Mooney. He was their, what, what Matt Hodgson, unbelievably enough, has been for Brisbane yeah. over the course of the year as a guy who can you can roll it into in the block when you, your offense is getting a little dry in the half court and he can get to the free throw line or he can get you a bucket down low. He was what Ty Wesley was. Nowhere near to that yeah. same level, but gave them that other element in the block like Wesley gave the 2018 United squad that went to the championship. And I, I, he's just an enormous out. I feel like we've spoken so much about Xavier Cooks being out over the course of the season. There's been a focus on, on of course, Isaac Humphreys missing all that time when that Adelaide needed him out on the floor and, and Ryan broke off missing time recently for the Phoenix. But Cam Bairstow's absence, I think, has been underappreciated for the impact that that's have been having on the Hawks. Well, it's because they have no one else. That's the problem. You know, Tyler Harvey is your number one. Jessup is your number two. You know, who's your number three? It, I, don't, I don't know if Sam Froling can be a number three on a finals team in the NBL at this point in his career. Yeah, he'll can get, he get there. to that point. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? It, it's in the same way that, you know, with respect to someone like a Lockie Hutchison, you know, I think he, he can turn into a really good NBL player. But should he be starting for a finals team? I don't think so. I don't think that's the recipe for a, a good finals team. Um, and so it's the same thing with this Hawks squad where, you know, Cam Besto is a good third option as far as, because offensively he's elite. And I've spoken to enough of those guys where he's practiced in stretches and he just kills everyone. Mm. He goes, he goes crazy in practices apparently. Mm. Um, and the fact that we haven't been able to see that on a, at a consistent basis and probably won't for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. that, that sucks. And I think, again, I, I get why that, that, makes you lose faith in mm. the Hawks run to this top four. Mm. Well, let's talk about the Kings. Talk about Lockie Hutchison. I was mentioning Xavier Cooks. Um, third in offense. They've got the fifth-ranked defense, so they've been pretty good in both those areas over the course of the year. Unbelievably resilient squad. I have so yeah. much respect for what Adam Ford's been able to do with that team over the course of the year with all the ins and outs that have been much spoken about. I got to send some love out to Angus Glover. He messaged me during the game last night. He's like, yo, you keep forgetting that I'm also out. Uh, so they've missed. <laughs> <laughs> he's been out for so long. It's, it's, and, and I, I saw, you know, even DJ, people forget that he's just because there's just a new iteration oh. of, of, of an injury report, right? Mm, mm-hmm. 
DJ, DD, Angus Glover, they look nothing like. They've had times over the course of the year where they have looked absolutely nothing like the team that they were supposed to be. And yep. last night with Xavier Cooks back out on the floor, that was, there was, that was resembled some of what they were supposed to look like in the front court. Um, but there's, they're never going to get back to what they needed to look like, what they were supposed to look like on the perimeter at this stage of the season. But they have Casper Ware and they have Jarrell Munn, one of the best import duos in the league. Um, and Casper Ware doesn't miss the finals. He does his yeah. team. That's he just he's like the he, he's that guy right now alongside Bryce Cotton in this league. Like he, if you want to make the finals so in the last few years, it's if you want to make the grand final, well, you have either Bryce Cotton or you have Casper Ware, and you go from there. Well, he's got a he, he and they have a big job to do over the course of this last part of the season. But every time people like you or I have started to ride off or lack belief in the Kings. They've come up with one or two or three really impressive wins in a row and marched their way back into it. What do you feel about them coming down the stretch? I I have a similar sentiment toward Casper Ware um, and so much credit to him because people were ready to write him off um, after a down season and a very down finals. Um, and I think he started this season that, somewhat slow too. The amazing thing about that we, is the down season for him was a grand final appearance in all NBL second team. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But it was. Um, By his own very totally. lofty standards, he wasn't the same guy. 100%. And it was, and it's also that the standard that we hold NBL point guards to. Um, I think it, it says a lot about that. And so credit to him for practice, just basically ignoring all of that chatter and coming back and he's having a really impressive season mm-hmm. um, to the point where he's got a shout for all NBL first team. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a proper look at the, yeah, uh, look, that's, he, may, he may just get in there. That's cotton, Sobe, Mooney, Landale, and someone else on the perimeter that could very well be Casper way. hundred um, percent. And so it's difficult to write a team with, with him on it off, um, especially at this point in the season and in the, the circumstances that they're in. Um, Jarrell Martin had a, had a down game against Brisbane. Um, I'm not sure why. Maybe it was because of the length that 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 irked him a bit. Um, but I have I've got trust in in what Jamal Martin's done over the course of the season when healthy, that he can go and and he's a bucket, right? We saw him do it against you know Isaac Humphries and Daniel Johnson, and so I don't think it's it's just length that'll stop him. I think he's one of those guys who you know like a camp. He's better than a Cambesto, but you can rely on him to go and get you a bucket. And I think that's really important for this team that is so stripped down because of injuries. Um, my, my only issue is outside of the, the fact that they're missing, you know, a, a, that other perimeter threat outside of Casper, because I, you know, I'm not sure if Brad Newley is, is the guy that's going to do that for you consistently. And, you know, I don't think Jared Weeks is that guy. Their run home is a bit scary just because um, it's on the, you got, it's on the road. There's a lot mm-hmm. of road games. And these last two losses have been tough. And mm-hmm. that overtime loss to Adelaide was, mm-hmm. was, was a killer, right? That was a, a home game that they very well should have won. Mm-hmm. They're up 16 in that game and then had the chance to win it at the end. Um, and then they lost to Brisbane too. So they're, they're not in a great spot. Going into another game against Adelaide. Don't know if Giddy will play, but you know it's another game against Adelaide. It's a team that just beat you. But then it's at New Zealand, at New Zealand, at Perth. And that's we we've yet to see what New Zealand's going to look like at home, but you just imagine they're going to be up for it. 
So back-to-back games at New Zealand and then at Perth, that that could very well be their season on the flight home from Perth. If they split that next four, and I'm going to assume that they lose to Perth in Perth, if they split those next three, I mean, sorry, if they go two and one in their next three, so home to Adelaide and then two games in a row in New Zealand, if they get two of those wins, then they are one game below 500 with three games to go. And then the next game. <laughs> their next game is is in Mel, uh, is at home against Melbourne. Yep. Um, and then, which I'm going to pencil in as a loss for now. This is a team that's shown the ability to, to, to upset teams and they have beaten Melbourne at earlier in the season. They whacked them. Yeah. Um, and then they play Illawarra and Brisbane in the final round of the regular season. And that, for me, I think that they're going to do enough. This is a team that we've seen over the whole course of the year has done enough to hang in to be to give themselves a shot in that final round that final part of the season at Illawarra against the Bullets to finish the year. It's going to come down to them for the, for the Kings for me. Well, I think that that game at Illawarra could be a sort of do or die for both teams. Um, and I, I was in Wollongong for Illawarra's game against the Adelaide 36ers. Illawarra gets up for those games. And the, mm-hmm. the, the crowd wasn't as, as big as perhaps it should have been, but they get up for it. Um, that was a playoff atmosphere. And I think that playoff atmosphere is where the the style of defense that that team plays. And, you know, I think that's where Gorge thrives too. I think that's where Tyler Harvey can thrive. That's going to be, at the very least, a very fun game. Mm. Like, I couldn't pick the winner because I, because I think both teams will be playing for their, you know, postseason lives there. Um, you know, it's the NBL, so you usually give it to the home team. But at the very least, you're in for you know, a potential classic. Mm, for sure. I believe in Casper Ware. I don't know. I've just, <laughs> I, you know, I've, I, I love that guy. I love the way he plays the game. Yeah. You know, that he has, like you say, he's much maligned by, by fans of other teams, especially those guys out West who enjoyed beating, you know, all the missed shots that he had in the grand final series last yeah. year. But I just love how much he cares about, playing at both ends of the floor yeah and and how how resilient he is he's been such an elite player in this league for a long period of time now 150 games straight so so physically resilient so mentally resilient for me i think a lot of weaker players in the mind would have cut and run from this league after that grand final series last year and said you know what i i just i can go make good coin elsewhere and, and, and do it differently. Whereas he came back and said, you know what? I'm still one of the best in the, in the competition. And we're talking about him coming back and having an all NBL first team type of year. And I think he's going to get his team into the finals for mine. The, the Phoenix, you ready to move on to the Phoenix? Or you want to hit on Casper and the Kings again? The only thing on Casper is he was, he opted out of, of the contract when all of that stuff happened. Um, and everything I'm told is that he just likes Australia. He mm-hmm. just wants to be here. And the fact that he wants to be here, you, you can tell when he plays out there, he, he's learned the little nuances of the league mm-hmm. in the same way that Bryce Cotton has. They, they know where all the spots are. They know, who to, they know who to guard and how to guard them. And I, and I really like that. Mm. You know, Bryce Cotton does it primarily on the offensive end, but the way Casper does it defensively, you know, even, it's, it's something as small as him pulling the chair that we know it's coming. 
<laughs> but 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 the the guy backing him down never does. Just those little things that like Bryce Cotton, so Casper Wedge just knows what he's doing at this they, level. They are some of the best are. moments. They are some of the best moments when I find it even better when the guy does know it's coming and they're doing everything they possibly can yep. to stay on their feet. You know, a yeah. guy like Mitch Creek gets in the block again and he's like, I know what you're going to do. Because I do it too. Yep. <laughs> and they 100%. do what they can to stay on the floor. It's, you know, it's interesting. If you talk about how much he loves the game. It, it, he's coming out of contract at the end of this season. Yeah. Right? So, like, if you're a team like, say, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and you get to a, and a Kiefer Sykes doesn't end up being the guy down the stretch of this season and you miss out on the playoffs and you have to make the choice. Do we go back? Do we wind it back with, with Kiefer Sykes or do we go elsewhere? I, you go after Casper Ware. I mean, imagine a Phoenix team that has Casper Ware and, dare I say it, like a Brian Gorgian. Now, Brian, <laughs> Gorgian, now Brian, Gorgian's, <laughs> Brian Gorgian is is under contract in Illawarra and I know they're confident that he's going to stay. But he's about to turn 68 and he's got grandchildren in Melbourne. I'll just, yeah, I'll just... they've, they've got a head coach. Okay. Kant has a head coach. <laughs> it's not, not happening. I don't know where, where that popped up from. But it's lots of lots of rumors pop pop up. And I, I wouldn't mention a rumor unless there's some substance to it. it even even if it's the, the tiniest amount. It's, there has to be some substance from the team that he's supposed to be going to. What, is, what does Tommy think? <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, let's talk about them, though, because they're talk the team currently in, in third place. They yep. have, I mean, we have, we've all been really disappointed in what they've done over their past four or five games. I thought that they showed some good signs the other night against a Breakers team that they should have put away earlier. With no Tom Abercrombie, no Levi Randolph, um, Corey Webster still dealing with some some back tightness, um, and like I said before, on the verge of heading back back home, that they should have won that, put that game away. But for me, there were some positives for that team to take out of that game. They had a fourteen zip run where they owned the game for a period of time in I think it was the second quarter. Because they got up the floor. They got back to doing what they do best defensively, playing to their strengths, getting up the floor and putting some pressure on. That was a positive. Kiefer Sykes, 21 points, got, you know, reestablished himself as their man at the point guard position who they're going to ride home in that role. That was a positive. I um, mean, they got the win, which they desperately need to get right now yep. this, this weekend, the win over New Zealand, and then the win tonight over Cairns. Have to get that job done. Um, they've got another matchup against Melbourne United peaking around the corner at the, after tonight. How are you feeling about them? 15 and 14, second in offensive efficiency over the course of the year, but sixth in defense. They're, they're a team that had really, they came together at a point. They, they went through their injury stretches too, and, and they're nowhere near healthy. I think not having Dane Pino is, is huge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there is some confidence you take away from Kiefer Sykes looking like the Euroleague point guard who that he is. That that like he is a Euroleague level point guard. To, and so so we know that he has the the ability to do what he did the other night in the NBL. Um for me it's it all comes down to Creek. Right. Mitch Creek over his last four games, 
his field goal attempts, eight, six, six, eight. I don't think that's going to get it done for them, especially with Ryan Brockhoff. You know, now they're going to have to reintroduce him again into, you know, finding his rhythm, finding his touch, getting his legs under him after his, you know, head knock. Um, if, if Mitch Creek isn't imposing himself on, on both ends, then I, I don't see the way forward for this team because they haven't been able to settle into an identity. Um, and so right now it almost seems like they're free, like Kiefer Sykes is freelancing. And then, and then they don't know when to find Mitch Creek. Or, and Mitch Creek doesn't seem to know when he has to attack. Um, the ball doesn't get in his hands enough. And so unless they can figure that stuff out on the fly, which I think they have the talent to do, unless they can do that, then, you know, I, it's as much as their, their run home is, I think, perhaps easier than some of the other teams, they, they don't worry me too much going into the finals. I think they make it because I think they're too good on paper. I think Mitch Creek is one of those guys that it's it's a rare guy in the NBL that you can you can just lean on him to lift you. Um, it, it's something that, for example, I don't think Adelaide has. They don't just have that Mitch Creek, that 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 local guy who you know is just going to to lift you up. I think I think Chris Golding and Jock Landau and Mitch McCarron, all three of those guys, are that guy too. Um, and so, unless Creek gets you know, everything together. And unless he finds whatever the hell he's missing, mm-hmm. the, the, the way forward for this team scares me a little bit. Yeah. It's been a lot on his mind, Mitch yeah. Craig. You know, it's, totally. been a, it's been a huge year for him. I mean, it goes back to November last year yep. that this process has been taking place behind the scenes. And and I think you can see it, the how much it has weighed on him when he's out there on the floor. He doesn't look like the Mitch Creek that we've, we've we've got to know over the course of his journey in the NBL. Um, now he does in moments, you know, he has that big bucket uh, underneath on Colton Iverson the other night and then he flexes and he screams. And But then, but then what we used to see is him as an unstoppable physical force in transition yeah. in the league. And you would watch the game and you'd go, and you, you could see he, he was asserting his, um, authority over games from a standpoint of going, I am fitter and stronger and play harder than anybody else on out here on the floor. And I'm leading the way by example for my team and I'm in your face and I'm on the rim. And my, my wife recently described him when, when he came back and played that game, the first game back against the Hawks, in Wollongong and he came off the bench. My wife watched the game and said, he's playing like he doesn't want to be noticed. He was copping all the booze. And I thought, you know what? That's a really good, that's a really good point. And, and he's had some games, some big games since then, but there are still some, some strong times where he's not, hasn't asserted himself as the on court emotional and spiritual leader of that team that he is. I mean, that they all know that he is that guy and his ability to, to regain that fire, um, I think he, of course, holds the cut. Still think they'll get there regardless, like you do. Yeah. But to make any noise in a semifinal series against either of those top two teams, he needs to be that guy. Look, he's like the LeBron of the NBL. Um, and I said this last season too, because I think he did it last season. Just physic- physically and his ability to impose himself on the NBL He's got that freight train vibe to him. Um, it's I, I completely get what your wife is saying too, in the, in the sense that he doesn't ever seem 
lately as though he's locked into a game. You know, where you're sort of tunnel visioned into a game and mm-hmm. you, you're just you're just in it. He hasn't appeared like that. It almost mm-hmm. seems as though he's kind of looking around. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't I don't want to, you know, pathologize the dude. I don't I don't want to just I don't want to be a psychologist, but that's that's what it seems like. You can mm-hmm. tell when a guy is not his head's not completely into a game. Mm-hmm. And that's just I think what we've seen lately. Um the hope for the Phoenix is that the end of that New Zealand game where it wasn't just that one buck, he had another big bucket as well. I think mm-hmm. a righty sort of floater off glass. Mm-hmm. If, if he can use that to get him going a little bit, then I think they're in a good spot um, because, you know, his, his leadership matters. And so if, if that can maybe flick a switch for him, cool. Um, because I think that's what he needs to be. I did want to ask you about their point guard situation. They've got their three guys. They've got Sykes, uh, Adnam, and Leafa. Mm. They, you can't play all three. Um, I had a chat with Derek Rucker about this, and the emergence of Leafa has been a hindrance on Adnam because it's it hasn't allowed Adnam to go out and be as free as he potentially as he perhaps should be. Because mm-hmm. when we saw him be free and sort of be himself and sort of freelance coming off on balls. That was when he was at his best. That was when mm. Creek was out and he kind of just got to be, you know, who he is. Leafa comes in. He's playing too well to ignore. Um, but do you think that there's there's obviously a pecking order, but do you think that they have the as good as they all are and as good as they can be on other teams? Do you think they almost kind of drag each other down in a sense. Yeah, I think they need to make sure that that's sorted out. Everybody needs to know where they stand as they as they come home here. And I think they took a big they took a step the other night in that regard and we saw mm. it out on the floor and then we heard from it from Simon Mitchell post game where it was reestablished that Kiefer Sykes is our number one point guard. He's our import point guard. That's his job. Simon Mitchell spoke about it and said he actually said those words. It's his job. He, he's our quarterback. And if we're going to do anything down the stretch here, he needs to be playing at a high level. And I thought that was great to say that with Kiefer Sykes sitting right next to him, to the media, and make no bones about that. There can't be any confusion about that. He can't feel like he's trying to prove himself against Isaiah Liapa and Kyle Adnam as they try to make a run to the playoffs and then make some noise. So that was a a box that needed to be ticked. I I think the way to do that with Kyle Adnam and Isaiah Liapa down the stretch here is to play Liapa at the two. Yeah. So Kiefer Sykes is your starting point guard. He's your input point guard. You're rolling with him. And Kyle Adams, your backup like he was at the start of the year when he was the leader for the best six-man candidacy. Yes. Isaiah Liafa is playing the minutes that otherwise would have gone to Adam Gibson. That's the way I would approach it. You've got yeah. Jack Glidden and Ryan Brockoff as, and, and Ruben Tarangi as you guys playing minutes on the wings. And those minutes that were going to go to Adam Gibson or... Maybe we're going to be going to Cam Glidden right now while he's still getting himself right from that hip injury. Isaiah Liafa's playing those minutes. That's And then as a result, you're playing minutes with, with both Sykes and Liafa on the floor. And you're playing minutes with both Adnam and Liafa on the floor. Um, yeah. But you don't have anybody looking over their shoulder saying, oh, that's the key. guy as good as that other guy. That's the key. Because during Liafa's emergence, um, you know, we saw him get, big minutes and it, it took away it, it Kyle Adnam almost had to hand in the keys at that point and so finding where Liafa fits because I think you have to I think he's he's too effective of a defender and he's shown to be a really solid catch and shoot guy you know you you have to find the minutes for him 
So I think it's just spelling that out for the guys. And I don't know if they have, but I think that's important, especially mm. for a guy like Adnam, who is so effective on the ball. Um, for him to know where everyone stands, I think that's so important going into, again, a final series where, mm. you know, he would be a big part. And I think Leaf would be a big part in making noise for this team. They just need to know where they sit. I think the other thing that's been maybe lost in the conversation about Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, who have been put through the ringer by all of us over the past month or so, because they really were starting to set a high Rightly standard. Rightly so, though. Yeah, they were 13 and 9, and they were roaring towards locking in a playoff spot. And then they fell off a cliff recently, and we all started throwing our hands in the air. Um, but what's, I think, been lost is this is a second year franchise. Yep. When the Bullets came back, they, and they went back-to-back wooden spoons. Well, the Phoenix started well last year, fell away, were in the playoff conversation for a period of time and then weren't quite there. Now, to take a leap this year where we're three and a half weeks out from the end of the regular season, they've got a winning record. They're in third spot. You talk about Perth and Melbourne, when when you look at the standings, the next team is Southeast Melbourne. as, as, As Despite... Over the course, had not having Dame Pinot the whole year, having Kiefer Sice miss a whole heap of time, having, they bring in Ryan Brockhoff, it all looking like they're going to be the, the championship contenders, and then he's out, and then he comes back and he cops an elbow to the face, he's at hospital with a fractured eye, all of these dish, other issues that they've been dealing with. And yet, like I say, they've got a winning record, and they've got the best percentage of all those teams, Illawarra, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, if it can, they get in a tight situation at 18 and 18, they're going through. Yeah. So to make the playoffs, now they haven't done it yet, but you and I both think they will, to make yeah. the playoffs in your second year of existence is a huge accomplishment. And oh. we should be all ready to applaud them for achieving that if they pull that off. The thing I think that takes away from that argument is that I think they're stacked. Um, the fact that they can go get Akifa Sykes, but they have Mitch Creek. The fact that they went and, went and got Ryan Brokoff, that, that almost takes away from any sort of a, a beautiful aura of this, this really young franchise getting into the finals. It is super impressive. And to put themselves in the position to even get that sort of talent. Like, again, I don't think... Uh, Ryan Brokoff was sort of... If he was going to be in the NBA, he was always, NBA, he was always going home. But I think he chooses Melbourne United if the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix don't have at least the semblance of a functional franchise. So that's important. So to, to be, you know, at the very least palatable as a, as a second year franchise, I think that's super important. And so, so again, they do get credit for it. Um, but I think having Mitch Creek as the head of the snake and then bringing in Kiefer Sykes and having, you know, a Yanni Wetzel and um, a Ryan Brokoff I, th- I just think there are, there are too, there's too much elite talent there to you know say that they're these they're these underdogs in this new franchise and how cool is it for the, the the young guns to get in? I think it's different to for example Illawarra who is practically a new franchise. If they make the the finals, I think that's arguably more impressive because they've really rolled with this really young core, and you know their marquee import their marquee locals just haven't worked out for them, but they've they found this this kid and Tyler Harvey and Justinian Jessup and Sam Froling is playing such an important role and you know Emmett Nahr off the bench and so I feel like that that would probably be more impressive to me because at least practically they're the newest franchise in the NBL no doubt no doubt they're as much as they're the oldest yeah they're essentially in year one you're right new ownership new head coach almost an entirely new roster and 
and those key pieces that haven't worked out via form and fitness and, and health and injury. So yeah. absolutely, that would be unbelievable. I, right now, they're, they're in there. As of this very moment, they are currently sitting in fourth spot with a 500 record. So I think this ladder stays as it is, by the way, that top four. I'm looking okay. at it now. Okay. I think that's what it's going to be. So you think Southeast Melbourne and Illawarra get in, Sydney and Brisbane just miss. And you, I assume you feel like I do in that Adelaide's going to lose one or two games in their next three or four. And from that point, they'll be out of it. Giddy will shut it down and it'll be the season that, that wasn't. Yeah, as much as I think that if the season started today, they're a top three team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last topic before we wrap up. Of those teams, that those four teams then that we genuinely feel are in the mix, Southeast Melbourne, Illawarra, Sydney, and Brisbane, which do you think has the best chance to win a semifinal series against either Perth or Melbourne? Oh, it's tough because if, if, if you put together the, the trait that I think both of those teams have, let's say I'm picking Southeast Melbourne and Illawarra, if, if you pick the, the trait that I think that each team is a lead at, Southeast Melbourne, I think their top tier talent and their, I think their depth to an extent, and I think Illawarra's defense. If you put that together, that's an awesome team, right? <laughs> if you put that together, that's Melbourne. Um, and so, but I, I in the playoffs, I, I really like the idea of, you know, top tier guys doing what they do. Mitch Creek has been to a, a grand final before. Um, and I think they have the depth. You know, Kyle Adams has been around the league long enough that, you know, I remember him back in the, uh, it was a, a, when he was with Sydney in a final series against what I think was Melbourne. Um, and Casper just went to work against him. Am I remembering that correctly? Sorry, I say again. Sydney. So Kyle Adam was playing for Sydney and it might have been a semi final against Melbourne. Um, oh, yeah, yes. Ago. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Jerome Randall was the starter for the Kings and he, yeah. he was a little banged up. It was Bogut's first year in the league. And yeah. Casper just went whack, whack, whack in the first quarter at Melbourne United and blew him away. Yeah. And so I think that Kyle Adnam has grown so much since that point. Um, he's been around long enough that I, he's, he's a veteran in the NBL. And I, I think that depth is what, if, if again, if they can figure their stuff out, um, I think obviously defensively, but especially offensively, just figuring out who they are, then I wouldn't want to go up against them. I, I think going up against Illawarra, as much as you're going to be faced with, you know, this gorge and level defense with Justin mm-hmm. Simon as the head of the snake, you you can sort of trust that you're going to be able to guard them maybe a little bit better because I don't think Illawarra has, you know, the, the capacity to, to be an elite offensive team, especially in a final series. We know over the course of the last few years, Andre Lamanis' teams have played, his Bullets teams have played, Dean Vickerman's Melbourne United squad's really tough. So... That's the other team, I think. You've got Nathan Sobey, who can light it up at, at, at any point. Lamar Patterson and the, and the poise that, that, that he has in those big moments as well. I would give them a puncher's chance in the semifinal series as well. If, if Brisbane can get into the top four, they have what I like in Southeast Melbourne, which is top-tier guys who've been there before. So Nathan Sobey and Lamar Patterson. I think Matt Hodgson is a piece that is going to be super important in that sort of series. Um, and I'm still interested to see what BJ Johnson is. Um, I don't, I don't know yet. I think he's still kind of getting his legs under him. Um, so yeah, if they can get there again, it's 
it's always back to Brisbane's defense. It's just always what we're going to talk about until mm-hmm. they fix it. And again, if they can can show some semblance of an elite-ish defense to end this season, then we'll have some trust in them going forward. But yeah, they've got they've got good depth, and I think they have the elite guys to again to at least put up a good fight. Well, this has been cool, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for chopping it up with me. I don't think have we established any clarity about this run home, or do we just throw it around a little? Honestly, I, we have our teams, but we're not at all confident in them. Um, and it's just, it's again, like the NBA is remaining interesting because of the playing games. Mm-hmm. I think these have the same effect. Mm. Um, and I, I, it always does. And yeah. that's just, that's how the NBA works. And I like it because of that. So it's, it's Melbourne, Perth, Southeast Melbourne, Illawarra for you as the final yep. four. And it's Melbourne, Perth, Southeast Melbourne and Sydney. For me, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sydney just get in on percentage at the end of the day. They have that slight little percentage advantage at the moment. And it's so hard to shift percentage at this time of the year with so many games and so many points for and against already in the bank. But it's going to be fun watching it all play out over the next couple of weeks. Thanks, Eve. This has been the ESPN NBL Media collab that had to happen. And it's, it's been on the cards for a while, huh? <laughs> and I appreciate you coming on for a chat. Of course, I can't wait to have you on on my podcast. Cheers, man. Thank you.